Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. Yesterday I flew from Israel to Geneva, Switzerland, and uh, then I spent the night with friends in France, and I'm um, now just crossed over the border in the airport, in Geneva Airport, and I'm thinking about um, 44 years ago when I spent three months in Israel, and then I came straight from there to Geneva, and that was a life-changing moment, a decisive transition point, where from there I ended up um, feeling called to Latin America. So anyway, I'm on this trajectory of uh, kind of a repetition of a trajectory in a way, but I, I don't quite know what is going to come of this last trip to Israel. Um, I was I arrived a week ago and had a very powerful experience my first day. I, I went out into the old city where I was staying to the Jewish quarter, and there I was... Um, you know, right away, just kind of amazed by the crowds of, uh, of pilgrims, of mainly Jewish and Israeli uh, devoted, you know, kind of Orthodox type believers who were, first of all, at the tomb of David, where I went, uh, because right there is the upper room. And when I went to uh, try to visit the upper room at night, uh, I climbed up some stairs to go to it. And uh, with all this dancing and music of these Hasidic Jews, um, they were celebrating something, I think, something having to do with Rosh Hashanah, the New Year, the Jewish New Year. And I, I went, um, you know, up the stairs <clears throat> and found the upper room closed, you know, locked. The door was locked. So anyway, I continued my, my journey down into the Jewish quarter, into uh, the, the west, where the Western Wall is. And was just uh, amazed by the quantity of people that were really celebrating and singing Jewish folk songs, and there was a sense of, uh, of sort of unity and also of patriotic fervor, perhaps. You know, the Western Wall is um, also called the Wailing Wall, and it's part of the temple, the ancient temple that is all that's remaining. And then right above it is the Temple Mount, which, uh, you know, back in the day when Jesus, um, you know, some of Jesus' last words had to do with the destruction of the temple, you know, not one stone will be left upon another. And, um, you know, because the disciples were, you know, were noting the beauty of the stones and, and everything. And, um, and Jesus, you know, prophesied the destruction of a temple, which to this day has not been rebuilt. But what there is instead is, is a mosque, is uh, one of Islam's most holy sites in East Jerusalem, you know, the Dome of the Rock. So anyway, I, I spent that night um, wandering around all the way till about midnight, and then I, I went into the um, Palestinian part of the city, and which was completely empty. Um, and I kept running into groups of Israeli soldiers that were patrolling the streets, and I made my way to my hotel up at the Zion Gate, or the Jaffa Gate, um, this Episcopal Church, uh, Christ Church uh, hospitality suite, and then the next morning, I got up early and, and I decided to do this pilgrimage that I planned to do, which was to go to the upper room. And uh, this was a, the beginning of just an amazing day, actually. I, I went to the upper room. Um, when I first arrived, there was hardly anyone there. And I climbed up some stairs to a little platform and I sat there and I read all the gospel accounts of Jesus's uh, Last Supper. And I prayed, and then I, I, I celebrated 
the Lord's Supper myself. And um, as I was doing this, different tour groups came in um, of Christians who, you know, some of them were extremely fervent and very, uh, it was very moving to watch them. Some say that this is the same room where the, where the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And that felt like the case just being in this place. There was a group of uh, Latin American um, like pilgrims that were all in a circle singing and praying in tongues. And there were people from many nations. There was like um, African-American group of, of, that were all being guided through that process. And so anyway, from there, I just, uh, just imagining Jesus going um, from, you know, from the upper room out into, uh, you know, down, down, down into the Kidron Valley. It's like, uh, at least if that was the site of the upper room, it's a long uh, walk down um, into this uh, valley that separates the Mount of Olives from the Temple Mount. And so I walked that and uh, and I walked past the Western Wall on the outside of the gates and or the, the walls and went down this narrow little pathway into the Kidron Valley and then up the Kidron Valley towards the um, towards Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane. And I came into the garden and was really trying to reflect on Jesus having just given his body and his blood to his disciples before they were, his life was taken from him, you know, by the, you know, by the Romans and the, and the Jews who were calling for his crucifixion and, and imagining Jesus uh, with Joseph, jo- with uh, Judas, you know, declaring that someone would betray him and telling him to go and do what he had to do quickly. And, and, and imagining Jesus, you know, um, his, normal behavior when he came to Jerusalem from Galilee was to was to stay on the Mount of Olives and uh, and then to go into Jerusalem and, and then go back out. He'd go in and, and speak in, in the temple up on the Temple Mount where the temple existed at that time. He'd preach and, and he was right proclaiming and prophesying right in the center of the Jewish religious power systems, Pharisees, scribes, high priests, you know, Sadducees, um, and then, you know, he would speak about the kingdom of God and, and, and his words were confirmed by the signs that followed him. Then he and his disciples would go out um, outside the city walls to the Mount of Olives. And, and it was there in the Garden of Gethsemane where Judas knew that Jesus hung out, where, you know, he alerted the soldiers. And, and I went into the, the church. There's a beautiful church there with all kinds of, um, you know, like icons and, and paintings of Jesus in you know, um, on his knees, you know, crying out if, you know, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And, you know, uh, Judas coming and kissing Jesus and, uh, and him being seized and just imagining, um, you know, Jesus being seized by the powers, um, of the day who controlled the temple and who controlled the religious system and who were in, who were allied with the Roman system. So I, I was moved there and I read all of the scriptures of, uh, of each of the gospels about uh, Jesus's experience in Gethsemane. And then from there, I, I climbed up the steep hillside up the Mount of Olives, past all the graves of the Jewish, uh, you know, de- devotees who, who want to be facing Jerusalem when the Messiah returns and, uh, and judges the, those that are resurrected from the dead. And, and um, anyway, I climbed up and, and was just once again just so struck by Jesus's locatedness um, outside as an outsider, 
Um, and of course, he began his ministry after his baptism in the Jordan by going to Galilee, which was an, an outsider, you know, sort of marginalized region. And there in Galilee, he, you know, he was proclaiming to, to people that were really outside of the center of power. And, but in keeping with that, Jesus is, um, does his, uh, you know, his stays and is located, you know, outside and um, what does that mean for Christians today? That's something I've just been thinking about so much. There's people that want um, there to be power. They want Christians in America and lots of countries are engaged in political activism, but often in a way that involves trying to change laws. And of course, there's a struggle against injustice and we should be trying to reform our system and our world. However, often there's a, a line that people step over, in my view, where they try to seize power it's a lot of the seven mountains mindset or Christian reconstructionism is really goes over that line and goes too far and wants the political power, which I think uh, we see in the gospel accounts with, uh, you know, with the scribes and the Pharisees, with the Jewish religious leaders rejecting Jesus as Messiah, rejecting Jesus's way of humble servant love and, you know, to the point of dying on the cross and that, um, that's something that I just was, uh, you know, really struck by is just how that continues today. You know, uh, Jews and, and Muslims reject that same uh, Jesus for some of those same reasons that they reject for first in the first place that he's he's the Son of God, but they also refuse him as as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world. And uh, and I can see why. You know, Jesus takes his place outside of those systems, outside of the powers, on the margins, on the edges. And, and I believe we're called to that too, as his disciples. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So anyway, as uh, I was reflecting on all these things and praying and, you know, the top of the Mount of Olives, I could see um, the Dome of the Rock straight across and it's on the Temple Mount where, um, you know, the holiest site of Judaism you know, where the temple used to stay, There's several different versions of it, several different temples that were each destroyed and have not been rebuilt. And now what's been rebuilt there is a Muslim mosque, okay? And there were all these prayers that were being spoken from that site when I was uh, at the top of the Mount of Olives and, and preaching. And I wasn't sure exactly what was going on, but it was last Friday. And as I descended down, my plan was to go um, down to the Kidron Valley, to the Garden of Gethsemane and then head up and go through the Lion's Gate, which may have been the trajectory Jesus had taken uh, when he did the triumphal entry um, and may have also been the trajectory that uh, where the, you know, the Roman, the soldiers and, and those that came to arrest him, took him, you know, bound to Caiaphas, to the high priests, and then eventually to Herod and to Pilate and where he was declared, um, you know, given the death penalty by crucifixion. So I, I started down the mountain and then began uh, to climb up to the old city through the Zion's Gate, Zion Gate, and or not the Zion Gate, the Lion's Gate. And as I was doing that, people began to pour out towards me, you know, from the Lion's, Lion's Gate, and I found myself just overwhelmed with just crowds and crowds of, uh, I mean, hundreds, maybe thousands, of uh, a Palestinian um, Muslim. Uh, believers who were had just come out of the mosque service and that I've been hearing and this was kind of a later afternoon and and they were moving towards me just I was seeing all these people and 
you know, uh, women in their, uh, in their headscarves and habibs and, or I forget what that's called, but in the men with their uh, traditional dress and, you know, all different kinds of Muslims. And uh, I was praying for them as I walked up the, the mountain, uh, the hillside and came into the Lion's Gate. I stopped and saw some Israeli soldiers who were guarding, patrolling there. And I asked them, well, how many people do you think are here? And they said, well, we think between 10 and 20,000 who come every Friday from all over Palestine all over the West Bank. So anyway, there I was um, witnessing all these people leaving the city walls, which um, reminded me of just uh, Jesus, you know, going outside the gates. And, you know, the scripture from Hebrews chapter 13 about, um, you know, going outside the, the gates where, um, you know, outside the walls where to, to where Jesus is, is located. And here are all these oppressed uh, people who are, under the control of the Israeli state, who have very little mobility, you know, these Palestinian um, Muslims were all going out in outside of this outside of the city walls, walls where I'd come from, and in a way, um, repeating the the movement of Jesus from the city, you know, from the temple to the, you know, to the Mount of Olives. And I mean, I don't want to make too much of that, but as I crossed into the into the city and then went up through the Via Dolorosa which is the, the way of the cross and began to go to the different stations. I was trying to really engage uh, with my heart with that, those different stations of the cross. And, and, uh, and I came into the Christian quarter where I was, uh, you know, suddenly around all kinds of groups that were praying and singing and some were carrying crosses and, and chanting and going up this steep road pathway through the old city. Um, towards the, the Holy Sepulchre, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, where there's five stations of the cross, including the crucifixion site and the burial site and resurrection site. And as I went up, um, I was struck just by um, just imagining Jesus like the Messiah of God, God's own son, surrendering himself to the Father and, and, to, and to his enemies and in conquering death through dying, through submitting to uh, the persecutors and those that killed him, executed him, and winning over the powers of death and destruction through that very different way. Anyway, that is probably one of the things that most struck me. I, I ran into French uh, Catholic group, a small group of like four or five, where the priest was just giving these beautiful little homilies, mini homilies at each of the sites, and I asked if I could join them and told them how moved I was by what he was saying. And, they said, oh, come with us, you know, and they were doing it all in French and, and it was just so touching to me and they were singing and praying. And anyway, I, w I went all the way into the, um, the Church of the Holy Sepulcher and had an encounter with a Catholic priest there too, who um, ended up getting scolded by this, or, you know, this uh, Greek Orthodox monk for calling some part of the, of the setting there, um, Roman Catholic, that he said was, um, Greek Orthodox, and we had a little conversation about that, and I actually talked with the, the Russian Orthodox monk as well, but just was just struck by just the, I don't know, here we are, we're at a site where Jesus is no longer there, his body's gone, he's, he's, he's at large, he's, he's the resurrected one, he's, you know, he's still uh, about his father's business, and he's calling us to join him to be about that business. And anyway, that experience of of, 
I'm just really noting noting Jesus's outlier outsider status, and that's one of the things that touched me. Another thing was um, after that, I met up with our, my son Isaac, and we uh, we first went to Tel Aviv and enjoyed some beaches and just wonderful food, and and then made our way to Tiberias, where we spent two days. And so I spent two days um, in this uh, Airbnb overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and where I could just uh, contemplate the site, kind of the ground zero of the Jesus movement. I was moved by the humility of Jesus going from village to village, you know, um, going to the work site of fishermen. Um, you know, we swam in, in the Sea of Galilee on a beautiful beach on the far side where, you know, where the Gerasene demoniac would have had his encounter with Jesus. And, and just uh, seeing the, the raw, real dimension of just the water and the shore and the sky and the, and the dry mountainsides, you know, just reminding me of how Jesus's movement was really, um, it was a band of disciples that went from village to village and they didn't start churches and there really aren't any active churches. There's remnants of churches. There's the ground zero of the Jesus movement isn't a mega church there or, uh, or an area that has become devoted to, to, to Jesus. And it's, it's just ruins. And, um, and it's mostly, uh, Jewish settlers and, you know, who, who reject Jesus as Messiah. It's, you know, the, the movement has gone to the ends of the earth, um, you know, where I'm returning now to uh, the Northwest, to, to Skagit Valley in Washington State. And wherever you are, you know, uh, Jesus is at large and the Holy Spirit is there to guide us. And, and so that, um, that was something that just became so apparent once again. Um, we um, I, we saw many things on this trip, and uh, one of the things that I, a few things I want to take note of is, I saw many very serious Jewish and Muslim believers who were taking their faith so so seriously, you know, studying, reading, praying, um, and um, I saw this at the Western Wall. I saw people, um, you know, praying fervently and reading. The Torah and reading the other Jewish, you know, writings of Mishnah, the Babylonian Talmud, whatever they were reading, reciting, and um, I saw in people's faces a learnedness that comes through study, through dialogue, through struggle to make sense of, the, of their their version of the good news that I, I I don't see enough of in other places where people are just spending all their time in front of screens. That's that's our tendency today to to be, have a diet that is not um, nourishing our faith. And I just really felt, feel inspired to go deeper in my contemplation of, of, of through careful contemplative study and, you know, careful study of the scriptures. And I feel inspired to go back uh, to the foundations and of the scriptures, the Holy scriptures that we have available to us in Greek and Hebrew and, and some excellent translations in our languages. And this is something that, we should be about in a way more full-on way. We should know um, know about our faith and know this gospel stories and uh, read the Old Testament and the Psalms and be praying these scriptures and living them out. And I uh, I spent two hours waiting for my son who was buying some spices um, in the Christian quarter right on the Via Dolorosa where we were staying in this uh, Eke Homo convent. That's uh, this beautiful place where uh, we stayed for two nights, and right in front of the on the steps, uh, I was sitting on the steps, and right in front was this uh, 
this uh, these this little place that was giving out free Qurans. It was these Muslim guys who were young. They were in their mid twenties and they were um, they were bearded and um, they were they approached me and they said, hey, uh, "Do you have a Quran? And what do you know about Islam?" And they explained to me the the, the pillars of Islam and. And I spent uh, two hours talking with these guys, uh, listening to them, letting them explain to me um, their faith as they understood it. And uh, they began by saying, you know, we believe in one God and he doesn't have a son. And, uh, you know, so they were right away sort of, uh, you know, like countering the, the Christian message. And, and we believe um, that Jesus was a prophet. And uh, but he's one of many prophets. There are many prophets. And, um, you know, and they don't believe he died, right, uh, on the cross. And uh, and they had uh, a whole argument for why they were they were Muslims and why the Christian faith was an aberration and and, uh, and blasphemous. And and I just listened and um, and I challenged a few things. And they ended up uh, really liking to hang out with me. And we took pictures of each, you know with each other's selfies and. They brought me figs and offered them to me and they offered me coffee. And I had this wonderful encounter really with these two guys who I want to keep in contact with. And I really believe that we need to be opening ourselves to dialogue with people who are from other faith perspectives and, but from a place of really knowing who, who, you know, what we believe and being able to articulate that thoughtfully and sensitively and with great respect the others so that's another thing that i'm going away with um, i met numerous israelis i sat next to uh, one guy that had been in the military for like nine years and now he's a lawyer and put, does acquisitions and travels all over europe and another guy who was a finance person and and i, I had long conversations on flights with these people coming to and leaving israel and I could see a spiritual hunger in them when they asked me what I did and I explained they were super drawn to it. What I described as what we do at Tierra Nueva, you know, working with people on the margins, people in the prison system, people struck, um, troubled and struggling with addictions and people affected by incarceration, immigration and, and addiction. And I, I sensed a, a spiritual hunger everywhere I went, really. So I. Now I'm in the Geneva airport, ready to fly to Montreal and to Vancouver, you know, carrying these thoughts and these reflections and, you know, and, and hoping that some of these ideas are inspiring you as you think about your faith and as you pursue your, uh, you know, your journey as a pilgrim, following Jesus as a disciple. So I bless you in your journey in Jesus name. God bless you.